we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarua elders, both past and present. on the field for the Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Strikes a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a try to Andrew John. Root streak from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Coming to you live from Warramai and Wanarua lands, this is the Bay 53 podcast, part of the sport's best friends podcasting network, brought to you by A-plus contracting and poly welding. <gasps> Ladies and gentlemen, shut the gates, put down those glasses, bang the doors and shout it from the rooftop. Ah. Rafters! <laughs> <laughs> the mighty Newcastle Knights have won. And not only have they won, but they've done it after one of the most shambolic weeks in club history. It is so rare that we've won this season that your man, the man himself, Bredo, has dragged himself off the long-term injury list to join us as we go over the latest week that has been the Newcastle Knights Rugby League Club. Bredo, it's good to have you back. And truly... What a win to get the headphones back on with the mic in hand. Mate, it's good to be back. Um, it sounds like it's a bit been happening the last couple of weeks while I've been away. It's, uh, look, you know, it, it, I, I think I tweeted during the week. I said, uh, look, there's never a dull moment when you're a Knights fan, but God, you'd love to have one from time to time. <laughs> oh, like even we even, even the off-seasons aren't fucking boring with Knights fans, mate. It's, it's, so, it's so full. It's crazy. It was almost like... The Knights were just looking at last week and watching the Tigers have their little end of siren thing, and then like 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 the week before, what's happened? It was so long ago. I can I can almost almost barely remember the um the Pride jersey fiasco because the Knights have just managed to pump about a month's worth of um uh entertainment into the space of five little days. It has just been astonishing to watch from the outside. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. Like, mainly should did set me buying us all drinks because we have taken them off the front page. Because <laughs> the pride, the pride thing happened, and right right of this season, like mainly we're a top eight team until that all happened. Yeah, and the season's dead now. Like, yeah, we yeah. have done the massive favour. Yeah, mate. There's so much to talk. We, we've got so much to talk about. So, I've, I mean, you, you and I both, we have lives outside of the nights. We do this in our spare time. We do have things that we want to get done outside of talking about the nights. So, let's let's just get straight into it. Let's let's dive straight into the last seven days that has been the Newcastle Knights. And mate, let's let's just go straight to where the siren um, went after the dogs fiasco last weekend. The four premiership presser. Now we're going to get four premiership to a, presser. That's the official name from now on. Yeah, and look, we're going to get to a much worse press conference. But it's so it's so easy to forget that a week ago, Adam O'Brien referring to participating in four premierships was the. It looked like it was going to be the biggest story of the week. Like that was that was the story that was just oh, this is the indication of the the Knights have finally lost it. Adam O'Brien, he can't handle the stress anymore. He's you and I were messaging each other. Going, what the fuck is he talking about? And um, it resulted in him having to apologise on Tuesday. 
I um I still like, because we haven't had a chance to sort of work that through. Mm. I still don't know what Ellie was on about. I look. I I um I, I said it at the time. I said, look, at the absolute best, the best case scenario for this is that he was trying to say, look, we do know what we're doing. We know it looks like we're, we don't know what we're doing, but we do know what we're doing. You know, I've, I've seen what it takes to win and for, be a part of four grand finals. We, we've got the manpower. I said, at best, it looks like he was trying to mind it. Just have faith, you know, you know. But at the absolute worst, it just looked like an egomaniac who had lost the plot and was just putting himself out there going, hey, I'm better than this. This isn't my fault. I, I, I know how to, I've been a part of grand finals. So these guys are the ones who aren't getting it right. It was just... It, it it was just a coach who who walked away from a game and gone. What the fuck have I just watched? Yeah, I think it was a little bit from both those pools. You know, like he definitely, I definitely think there was an element of that. You know, he's just like, well, you know, I've seen what Premiership winning teams do. I've I've been part of it. Plus, also, I think Adam O'Brien does have a fairly healthy ego, as we all do. And um, and I think he was, you know, sort of floating his own boat a little bit as well. But it was also. Like we we were all that dog's game was so deflating. You saw me at the game. You know, he was just not in a mental, a good mental place for that press conference. And all coaches do it, as we seen with Ricky last night. And and when you know, on the scale of one to ten, Ricky's is a twenty five, and Adams is about an eight. <laughs> you saw me at the game last weekend against the dogs. Like, look, I, I was despondent at halftime. Like I, I don't think I've been that down on this team. Not I even. Was, during... I think it was a two burger, two ice cream halftime, wasn't it? <laughs> I was eating so many feelings at halftime. Yeah, I had like a burger in each hand and I took my ice creams back to my seat. But, but you know, as fans, you know, we're sort of watching. You could understand why Adam O'Brien would then sit in the press conference and just be stunned by what he's seen. And it would be hard to sort of gather your thoughts into a coherent um, sort of manner. And he, he he just addressed that on Tuesday. He just went, I, I put my hand up. I apologise. Mate, what, what did you make of the O'Brien ap- apology? Genuine, not genuine, covering his how, – how did you feel about it? I mean, I, I think it was genuine. Now, they all sort of come across a little bit, you know, sort of covering your own backside. But I think he was genuine. You mm. know, he'd had time to sort of settle on it, I'm sure, you know, people – because all coaches have mentors. I'm sure he spoke to one of his mentors, whether it's Bellamy or, you know, he spoke to someone. And, and they just, I'm sure they just sort of, you know, talked it through with him. And, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, I think the, the press conference was, was bloody ordinary. But I'm going to give the man a break. We're all shattered this year and, you know. It's, it's funny what you say about he would have spoken to his mentor because one of our friends the at Maitland Mumbler, he pointed out in the Looney Clunes chat, he said, very concerning for him was that on NRL 360, which you and I do not, we don't watch that show, or at least the, the bits that we do no. sort of see on it, we, we hear about it on, on social media. But he was pointing out that one of the things Buzz said was he said, oh, Adam O'Brien called me. And I sort of said, well, this is what you need to do. And the mumbler was pointing out O'Brien essentially repeated a lot of those words in his press conference on Tuesday saying, this is what we need yeah. to get back to. Yeah. Does that concern you though? That he's getting advice from, of all people, Buzz Rothfield. It, do, it does. It absolutely does because Buzz is a moron, you know, in the top <laughs> class of morons. But the one thing I will say, like I, I understand from one of the way Buzz put it, I understand it from Adam's point of view. Adam was just so obviously so lost in his own head. He needed someone from outside just to just to work things through with him. Because mm. I think, and that's what I got from Buzz. You know, like Buzz basically said, he rang up and said. 
you're the outsider, mate. And they've, they've have, they obviously have some sort of relationship, those two. Like, you know, Adam's got his phone number after all. And you just said, you know, like from an outsider, like what is this looking like? Because I'm on the inside and I cannot see what's going on. Yeah. I'm wondering if he was drawing on a lot of that one season of his Roosters experience where he sort of looked at the way that, I mean, I don't want to go as far as to say the Roosters manipulate the, the media. I personally think that the Roosters get a much fairer run in the media, but I'll leave that up to others to decide. Because I know a lot of Roosters fans actually do take it quite personally the way, you know, the Mitchell Pearce um, incident was um, handled where he copped that eight-game suspension. So I'm not going to get into that. But I'm wondering if he sort of looked at the way Trent Robinson dealt with some of those in News Limited and Robert and um, O'Brien was sort of going, well, Maybe I can make this work to my advantage a little more. Certainly not take advantage or manipulate it, but just, you know, because he's been very closed shop this year. You know, the Knights have been very much about, you know, everything we do is in-house. We don't let, we don't have leaks. And sometimes that can work to your detriment if you're, particularly when you're not performing on the field. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, a, to me, that's been a big issue because nothing has got out of the club. Mm. The club, you know, the club's been going in a big circle. Mm. You know, it's the exact opposite of a circle jerk, you know. They're basically belting each other in the head around the circle. Because nobody, they're getting no fresh voices. So the same people are saying the same things over and over again. And I think that that told on Adam, and that's why we got the press conference, and that's why he maybe made the call to buzz. I want to talk about, there's only one other thing I personally want to talk about from the Tuesday presser was, because you and, and cause you listened back, you, you listened back to the pod we did with Joe after the Bulldogs game. And, and I just said it straight up. I said that they are they are a player, they are a team that is underperforming to send a message. Now, now who they're sending the message to, we don't really know. You and I have our thoughts. But there was something Adam O'Brien said in his press conference where I thought to myself, well, that 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 to me gives weight to it. He said we are training as hard as like the stuff we're doing on the training paddock, I've got no, I cannot fault. He says, I just, we're not transferring what we're doing on the trading paddock to what we're doing on game day. Now, there are, and look, there are a lot of ways that you can look at that sort of statement, but that to me adds weight to the argument that these are guys who just don't want to do it on game day. And that's when, you know, for whatever reason, they're training as well as they can to get out on the park and send the message that they want to send. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I, you know, the only caveat I would put is that, we all know, you know, that it's always been our thing, you know, we're mentally weak. Mm. And at training, there's no pressure on you. You know, there's a bit of pressure because you want to train well and the coaches are watching and, you know, and all that sort of stuff and your teammates will chip you if you don't. But there's no real pressure at training. Yeah. To me, the pressure of game day mixed in with the, all the other stuff floating around in terms of effort for the coach, I think that's that's an element to it. We're so mentally fragile that as soon as there's any sort of pressure, we just will. There's there's an element of the uh, the training park champions about the Newcastle Knights. Absolutely, we're we're the, you know we're the unraced two year old that everyone starts backing for the golden slipper because it won a trial by twenty lengths. That's us. <laughs> you sort of because I, I watched we we posted some of the O'Brien um, press conference on our social media. It was it got a bit of, it got a bit of a mixed response. I, I think. I think for Adam O'Brien moving forward, that he really needs to start start showing results because words at the end of the day are only going to get you so far. And as as our, our good friend and my cousin Thor always says, you know, win, winning fixes everything. Now, I think the idea for Adam O'Brien was that well, he was going to put the controversy to bed with his press conference. He was going to address last weekend, and we were all going to move forward. But that was only the start. 
and that's that's how much has happened this week. Is that Adam, he's getting warmed up, bro? Just Adam O'Brien's yeah, his two press conferences seem like a lifetime ago, mate. Tell me your reaction when the team was named at 4 p.m. And not only was David Clemmer not starting, not only was he not in the 17, he wasn't in the 22-man squad. He was he was not eligible to play this weekend. What what was your reaction when the news broke? Well, first of all, I was filthy because I thought that he, he must have an injury that we that we hadn't been told about. Yes. And that's when the the worst element of the night's this year that you know the guys are having injuries and no and we don't hear about them. Mm. But then I thought to myself, well, generally, even if they are injured, they'll, they'll get picked in the team and just not play. Yep. Yes. And then I was, it was just a, a thing of confusion of, well, what the hell's going on here then? Because, I mean, we've sort of skipped it. And I, I don't really want to – I didn't want to give it too much air because I don't know how much weight there was in it. But, of course, on the Monday, it, there, were, there, were, there was a chance that David Clemmer was leaving our club. How much – on a percentage, out of a percentage, zero to a hundred, what percentage do you think there was substance in Clem to Parramatta? Um, I'll go fifty because in the fact that I think Parramatta were all in, mm. but I don't think the Knights were in at all. You don't think the Knights were in at no, all? No, I think the Knights listened to it and they sat down and and now and talked to Clem obviously and did their sums and you sort of thought you know what's this worth to us financially blah blah blah. I think maybe. Maybe like you know the the management level of the Knights were interested, but I don't think anyone from Adam O'Brien down was interested. What? How would you have felt about the Knights if we'd let Clem go to the Eels for the rest of the season? Oh, filthy, absolutely filthy, because because that just means you've given up and you've essentially said we're going to take the wooden spoon this year, and the fans can go jump. Yeah. What would you have done if Clem had left the club and and gone to the Eels for the not only the rest of the season but the rest of his current contract? Dirty, because I, you know, he's been great. But I would understand it from a nice perspective. He's on a lot of money for a front rower. Mm-hmm. But I just said, look, this was a chance for us to get out from under an eight hundred thousand dollar contract. And we've already got, you know, two Origin props. We've got a couple of good young props in the squad. You know, we could say I would, I would buy that. But the loan thing to me was just ridiculous. Yeah. He didn't go, but obviously he's he's dropped, and so the speculation starts that well, are the Knights punishing? Clem for whatever happened with Parramatta. And it, it's funny now that you look back on that in hindsight because, I mean, we don't know we don't know how much Clem was involved, but you think about it now, it almost feels ridiculous to suggest, well, we're going to punish you because you showed interest in an offer made by another club. Like we don't, like unless unless Clem had been pushing his manager to go, can you put the feelers out with Parramatta to get me out of Newcastle? That you can sort of understand. But for all we know, it was the Eels who were like going cap in hand, going to the Knights, going, we want your prop. It would have been a weird, it would have been a really weird take for the Knights to go, well, we're going to punish you because of this. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I did, and that was the the bit of story I didn't understand when that was sort of rumored that might be a thing. I was like, well, why is he getting punished for just? Essentially, just saying, I've had this offer. You know, let's talk about it. Mm. So now that we know what we know about the reason Clem was dropped from the twenty-two, can I ask you? Would you have preferred that he'd been dropped for the eels thing as opposed to the show cause notice that he ended up getting? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so 
um, so the team gets named at 4pm. No one's saying anything about Clem. And all of a sudden, the Newcastle Knights, because these things have to come in three. You've got the Brett, you've got the O'Brien apology. You've got Clem being dropped. And on Tuesday, we've said, and we're going to throw a show cause notice in just for good measure. Like, I know this joke gets used about a lot of clubs, but seriously, seriously, the Knights must be the sporting version of the Truman Show, where they're where they're testing us. They are testing people who follow this team to just see how much they can take, because the Knights at six o'clock on Tuesday night give a very brief statement to say we have issued a show cause notice to David Clemmer, off the back of being dropped, off the back of nearly leaving the club, after our. Uh, our coach has just had an absolute mare over the weekend. And as a Knights fan, you're sitting there going, how much more can I take? <laughs> it just, it's just so Knights, isn't it? Like, Oh, 100%. Like we're, like we're the quintessential, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trip over this bucket, but then I'm going to land in a, in a pile of horse shit, and then I'm going to wipe that all over myself, and then I'm going to fall into a into – a, Barrel of acid, then we're going to bloody spill that on something else. Like, we just kept doing it to ourselves. What did you think the show cause notice might have? Because, because this is the thing it was a show cause notice with no substance. We didn't know what it was about. It, it, it actually came out in the Daily Telegraph. Did the Daily Telegraph release it later that, release it later that night or first thing Wednesday morning? Because I think it was later that night. So, what? I, I just I, I don't know where to go. Like, when the show cause notice was issued, your mind with no sub, your mind just goes to the weirdest places. Like so, and and this is what's so weird about the knights is that the knights saying that we will not be saying any more about this. We will not release a statement, and the Daily Telegraph are the ones giving the information for them. So it's like, what's going on with this club? Are we keeping things out in house or are we not keeping things in house? Well, are the we? Herald, the Herald first reported it. The Daily Telegraph were quoting the Herald. No, I I knew that the, the I knew that the Newcastle Herald reported on the fact that it was an HR breach, but I thought the Daily Telegraph were the ones that first mentioned Hayden Knowles. Oh, did they? Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, not Hayden Knowles. They were the ones that first mentioned that there'd been an incident. Oh no, sorry, the Herald, I, I was wrong. The Herald, because of how this week's been, the Herald <laughs> was the first to report the next incident later in the week, and then the Telegraph quote. Yes. Like, yes. Because you know, right. like, there's eighty-seven things going on. <laughs> And we haven't even gotten to the game yet. So we're, we're, we're 15 minutes in and there's a whole game. And we're not even close to getting into the game. It's still a Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out that David Clemmer has, had, has been given a show cause notice for not taking instructions from a trainer. And by this stage, all, like all bets are off. The, the club has officially entered the we are in the looking glass and it, this is just an insane asylum because the idea that your best performing front rower nay some would argue and let's be honest the way the season's going with Kalen Ponger out it is more than likely that he's going to be our best player this year oh, he, he he's a, he's a dollar 5 to get the Bedrish medal dollar 5 100% 100% he's been sanctioned by the club with a show cause notice for not taking instructions from a trainer. And by this stage, the conspiracy, the tinfoil hats are on because you think they're trying to get rid of him. They must be trying to get rid of him because why the fuck would you punish your best player over something that I guarantee almost every player has probably done in their professional, in in their every game they've played. Yeah. See, I, I, 
And my initial thought was Clem's either – he's laid hands on the trainer. Yeah. Uh, they shoved him or hit him or something. He's just laid – you know, because Clem's, you know, we all know Clem. Yep. He's a loose cannon. My initial thought was, oh, he's laid hands on him. You know, and that's obviously a no-no. But we didn't even get that far in the end. Well, this is what happened is that once – so once it got released that he wouldn't come off the field at the end for a track, everybody starts scrolling through the tape. Everybody starts looking through those last 15 to 20 minutes to see. And, yeah, there it is. I think David Clemmer is involved in a hit-up. Uh, he, he draws a penalty. And you can see Hayden, Hayden – sorry, we'll get to Hayden. You can see the trainer motioning to him to come off. And you can see David Clemmer motioning in return, going, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, it's. But it wasn't that. It wasn't just that simple. It, no, it, it can no. never be. It can never be that simple with the Newcastle Knights. There has to be a twist in the tail somewhere. And lo and behold, it's not just simply the fact that he's um, uh, failed to take team instructions, but now it turns out that he is the subject of an HR uh, investigation for swearing at a fellow employee. Which is insanity. It's. It's just it. It's I can't think of the word. They need to invent a new word to describe the knights going to that level over something like that that's happened on the field. Yeah. Because every, surely every single player in the Newcastle Knights has had to be um, the subject of an HR investigation yeah, this year. Because you ab- cannot absolutely. tell me that he's the only one that's sworn. Absolutely. Like the co- I'm sure the coach swears at him every half time. <laughs> I mean, I do. <laughs> like, to me, that you know, like, I, I get it, you know, like, swearing at people just because you're angry is not the right way to go about it. But it's professional sport in the most gladiatorial sport on the planet, mm. and a guy's getting pumped by his old team. Seriously. So to top it off, and I think what really topped it off with Clem in the end was the trainer in question is identified as Hayden Knowles. Now... This is where it really starts to get interesting from a Knights perspective because the backstory in what's in Hayden Knowles and David Clemmer starts to come into play. And a lot of questions and a lot of theories start to do the rounds because, of course, David Clemmer is on the outer with the New South Wales Blues. Hayden Knowles is the head trainer and head of performance for the New South Wales Blues under Freddie Fittler. And all of a sudden, everybody starts joining dots and putting two and two together and you start to question, well, what's really going on here? And that was the yeah. thing. We, none of us knew what was really going on. Because none of us know actually what's happened, what happened in the Blues camp. Well, that's still up in the air. We know what, what that is all about. Yeah. You know, so you wonder, you know, how deep does this lie? You know, like, is this the point where Hayden would they put his professional image aside and just go after Clem because he had a personal issue? Is it just that Clem, what Clem did was, so above and beyond that he had to like it was just yeah we had no information and you know what's funny about all of this is that because there is so much to talk about with the newcastle knights this week is that while this clemmer and hayden knowles back and forth is going on the subtext though in all of this is what role does adam o'brien have in any of this because for all intents and purposes remember back on tuesday we thought that he'd lost the playing group so Adam O'Brien's lost the playing group. Now David Clemmer's in trouble and all the fingers start getting pointed at O'Brien, who's just apologised 
yeah. for what he said in his previous press conference. So yeah, it's, I actually like, think I actually think there's a bit of blame to Adam O'Brien there in so much as Hayden Knowles answers to Adam O'Brien directly. Yeah. So I know Hayden Knowles, you know, he's, he's got a, he's a high rank high rank in the club, and you know he's had a performance and stuff. But he works he works for Adam O'Brien. Adam O'Brien is his direct boss. I think that 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 whole process didn't reflect well on Adam O'Brien that his employee like employees like Robert, but the guy working under him skipped skip going to him first, and it seemed to go straight directly to at least Bedsy would probably Phil Gardner. Do you th- so? Hang on, I, I want to be clear. I, I want to make sure I clarify what it is exactly you're saying. Are you saying it reflects badly on O'Brien because? Knowles didn't trust to go to O'Brien, or do you, are you saying it reflects badly on O'Brien because the processes didn't direct Knowles to O'Brien in the first both. instance? Both. Yeah. You know, both. It, it should automatically go to Adam O'Brien, yeah, just the pure club processes and, and the way they do things. But it, to me, it reflects poorly on O'Brien that it didn't go through him. You know, hey, Knowles, first port of call, should have had Adam O'Brien. He should have even thought about anything else until the coach had sort of um, beat in on it. And to me, he hadn't. He just went straight past O'Brien because, yeah, he he um, he's out of the loop completely. If you are Adam O'Brien in that situation, what are you thinking? Or, or who are you talking to first if you're finding out about this, that, you know, your trainer has gone above you, has gone over your head, and this is – and you're getting – yeah. My first thing is, you know, knock on his door, come over, chat, Hayden. What's happened, mate? And then once you get the story – Okay, so why is this the first I'm hearing about it? Yeah. You are listening to the Bay 53 Podcast. But this is where Wednesday and Thursday sort of start to blur into one another a bit. Because the thing is, because we, we don't even know the conversation that Hayden Knowles had. Because what we're hearing is that he made an official HR uh, complaint. And what would later come out is that, well, that's not what happened at all. Is it possible that Hayden Knowles thought he was having a an informal conversation with someone in upper management who then reacted in a manner that he did not expect? Very, very possibly. Possibly or probably? Um, more than likely. It's... I think no matter what you take out of what's gone on in the in the nights over the last whatever you take from what's happened with the nights is that what's happening is shambolic, and and it shouldn't. What happen. I will say in regards to this, and I think it's an issue for Wes. I think there's there's a d- divide between the knowledge and the process between Wes the club business and Wes the Knights owners. Yes. And I think that whoever Hayden's gone to has, got, has, has dealt with that issue as you would deal with in a normal standard workplace rather than a professional sporting organisation. Yes. I think whoever Hayden's gone to has gone, well, this is just, you know, it's automatic. An employee, you know, employee swore another employee. He's, he's come and talked to me about it. I've got to take it up to the HR chain because that's how a normal business would operate. Mm. Yep. Um, this is not a normal business. How do the Knights rectify that? Or at least, have they done anything this week, from what you can tell, to rectify that? I, I don't know what they've done, but I think that they've gone and lent on Peter Parr's knowledge of how this should work. Right. Because this is the problem. In a lot of ways, this is actually a problem with the Newcastle Knights, is that lost in all of this, 
And then having to emerge from the ether on Thursday to deal with all of this is our new director of football, Peter Parr, who's walked in the door on Monday. Oh, no, board, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just, like, his first four days have just been nothing but controversy. He's walked in the door at 9am on Monday. He's had to deal with the David Clemmer transfer. He's had to deal with the coach who's apologising. He's had to deal with an HR complaint. And now he's dealing with all the speculation that comes with working in the biggest club in rugby league with the fallout from a player and a trainer on the field, that's not even an altercation. It's like, I don't even know, how do you describe it? It's an interaction. Yeah, yeah. If you're Peter Parr on Thursday, what the fuck are you thinking before you're about to hold your very first um, press conference? And let's be clear, in a role that has been created for you as you're meeting the press to say, well, here's the rundown on everything that's going on. See, I, this all goes back to what we all saw coming. The biggest problem the Knights had was we had the head of the head of the Knights is yep. a businessman in the club industry. He's not a football guy, Phil mm. Gardner. The head of the football staff is Danny Badiris, who has zero experience in that, but he's obviously a well-respected you know, and very intelligent football man. We didn't actually have someone that could traverse those two things, which is what Brian Canavan used to be. Mm. Once he yes. went, that there was a massive void. So I think Peter Parr, I think that's how they've sold this job to Peter Parr initially to getting here. He said we need, you know, we need a football man that can deal with all the football stuff, but then can deal with all our, our business side of things too. And he can be the go between between Phil Gardner and Danny Badiris. Okay. And Carl's I think that to me, Peter Parr, as much as this would have blown his blown away, you know, the schmuzzle it is, I think it actually is. Um, shown him what his job in this whole thing is. But I also think it's shown straight up that he is, he is the man for the job. Yeah, absolutely. Because his first press conference was perfect. It was Outstanding. Outstanding. pitch perfect, um, rhythm, and he because he nails it. Because there's a key part. It was um, Harvey G who pointed this out to us in, in the Looney Clunes. He said, you go back and you listen to that press conference that Peter Pass said, and he pauses and he takes a moment to say, everyone involved in this is good people. There are good people involved in this. Okay, this has happened and these things happen, but we deal with it and we move on. We can't forget that there are actually good people involved in this and they do good stuff and that's what we need to focus on. That's a great response. That is a yeah. like, that is just the perfect response in that situation. Yeah, because it keeps everyone on side. <laughs> but, but, and, but that's his job his job is because we all know that Phil's a hardhead we all know that Bedsy seems a little soft you know yep. we need a guy that can do both okay that can, that can kick ass and pat people on the head when needed right so before we move on from Peter Parr because Friday Friday's the in a lot of ways the exciting day Has yeah been, Friday's when it really will happen yeah <laughs> You mentioned you mentioned the two people that I really think um, you've mentioned the two pe the two people in our club that Peter Parr I think has been brought into I can't think of the word but not replace not resolve not deal with but they're the two people most impacted by this role. I'll put you on the spot. Whose deficiencies in their role though do you think Peter Parr has been brought in to more directly? Uh, influence is it the um, deficiencies of Danny Badiris as a football manager, or is it the deficiencies of Phil Gardner as a club CEO? Sixty forty and sixty is Phil. 
I think I agree that it's it, that uh, that I think it's close to eighty twenty. Because I'm only saying sixty forty because our recruitment and retention is in such a schmozzle too. Yep. That, you know, otherwise, in terms of if, if we were sort of still, if Pierce was still here and we're sort of still on track with that stuff as we were last year, I would go ninety ten. But I think this year's got away from us in terms of our our, um, our playing roster. So he's also coming to you know to help Bedsy on that side of things too. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Do you think Danny Badiris has the and I'm not okay. Danny Badiris, Hayden Knowles, Adam O'Brien, uh, Clint Zammett. Do you think bringing in Peter Parr frees them up to more directly do their job? Because the person I'm thinking of in all of this is Garth Brennan, and Garth Brennan did not hold punches, uh, hold back his punches. He said, "I am leaving because Phil Gardner will not let me do my job." Well, he won't let me do my job the way I want to do it. Do you think Peter Parnow gives those people in the football department the freedom to do their job the way they want to? Or has he been brought in to rein them in and say, look, this actually is the way that we're going to be doing this? I don't know how Phil's justified this to himself, but I'd have no doubt that Peter Park in his head is thinking, my job is to rein Phil Gardner in and get across the way the football club needs to be run to him. Yeah. So people forget when Peter Parr went to the Cowboys, the Cowboys were an absolute chamozzle. They were they were really close to maybe disappearing. Like they they were losing money. Their roster was absolutely abominable. You know they they were really 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 bad. And he turned them around real quick. And 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 he turned them around real quick by getting JT. And he was and he was a big part of them getting JT. What hope do you have that he has the ability to bring that inf- that sort of influence and stability to the Newcastle Knights? Because let's be honest, we we've been screaming for that sort of influence, direction, and stability from day one. Not not since the Spoon years. Not since Andrew Johns. From day one, what what? I don't, I don't want to paint Peter Parr as the savior because you and I have had had a tendency. Adam O'Brien's going to say, "Oh no," Danny Bedirus is going to say, "Oh no," Phil. Got... So I don't want to paint Peter Parr as the savior here. But we need a leader. Is he the leader that can just get the knights out of this funk? Yeah, he is. But the, the question is, how much power will Phil relinquish? That's what it comes down to. There was an interesting. There was an interesting quote in, or not a quote, but certainly there was an interesting line in the Sydney Morning Herald covering this, talking about the idea that Peter Parr may be brought in to take over the role from Phil Gardner in eighteen months. I thought that was an astonishing. Do you have any idea where that sort of come from? Is that something that's been on your radar? Is that just speculation? Or the, the, I only, that... the only thing part of that was on my radar that I know from a few inside sources that the West Board are certainly not happy with how things are going. So maybe that's something they've put forward and said to feel like you know you need because of COVID and West. You know West got their own struggles because of the, the financial damage COVID did to their business. Mm-hmm. Whether the West Board have said to feel you need to get back concentrate on the club business. And get the football to the football people. Mm. Yeah, that to me, that's that's quite a good possibility. Mm. Peter Parr ha- handled the handled the job. He he made a couple of do- couple of comments. Um, he said, "I'll tell you one thing. I know these boys are ready to put in a good performance on Sunday, which they subsequently did. Friday, yeah, Friday, absolutely. Friday rolls around, and so oh, much." Wow. It, what a way to what do you what do you want to talk about first, mate? Do you want to talk about 
uh, Hayden Knowles, or do you want to talk about the uh, Clemmer outcome, or do you want to talk about the thing that unfortunately has probably been lost in the lost in the the noise? But of course, the, there's been this racism incident in the lower grades in the Newcastle Knights, and you're just thinking, what the fuck does this club need to do to just can you just be normal for 24 hours? No, the answer to that is no. <laughs> Mate, I, I don't want to make light of it because, you know, I, I've known you long enough to know that um, racism is obviously something that you quite rightly take personally. It, it's it's not a joke to either uh, you or myself. Um, the problem is, though, is that this is the second time that the, the club has had to deal with racism publicly at any level uh, in the last two years. Um. Does it get easier to deal with or is it just the same old, same old nights or do you go, fuck these, I'm really getting tired of it. Like, uh, what, tell us, take, talk us through your reaction when you first found out about this. It's definitely a thing I'm getting tired of it. Like, I'm getting tired of it that's still still a thing anywhere. But I'm yeah. getting tired of it that it happens in my football club semi-regularly now. Um, yeah, we don't know the details yet. It's, it's all quite rightly in-house at the moment. I'm going to put my faith in the fact the club are handling correctly, and if the the per, uh, person involved did say what is rumoured to have been said, they'll be shuff, shuffled out the door really quickly because that they've got to go for that. Um, but yeah, I'm tired. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired that people still think that's appropriate. I'm tired that um, young Indigenous players still have that sort of barrier to them playing football, you know, to playing sport. You know, like it's. We're breaking down the barrier where now women feel comfortable in the game, but there's still a wrong, long way to go for people of colour to feel comfortable in the game. Um, I'll tell you one thing. The little Troy Mitchell turnaround in form, yeah, it's got a lot to do with he's got his body right, but he's also got his head right. He's um, he sort of dealt – because he was really strong in rugby league, and I don't know what has changed in that, but he's, he's certainly – whether he's got more involved in being – you know, a part of the solution or whatever it is, that's a big part of why his forms turn around. But the game's still got massive, massive issues with racism. It's um, and it amazes me still that you can get to the a level of a a, a senior coaching assistant. So you know, you're in the senior part of the club. That's a lower grade. It's still not juniors. You're in the senior part of the club, and you still think that's something that should be should be said at all. But certainly not directly to the player. In the dressing sheds, in front of his teammates, it's the fact that people think that's okay is mind-boggling. I'm going to play devil's advocate. Is it in any way excusable? Um, I don't know. I don't know what was like if that was what was said and who said it. It's not yeah. excusable. No, no racism is ever excusable. I don't know. I don't know the circumstances. So I'm not going to say whether because no racism is not excusable. That's it's purely simple as that. Yeah. Um. You know, there's all the old thing of did he fumble over his words? Maybe, but that's still not an excuse. That still was enough into his head to come out of his mouth. You know, if that came out of his mouth, the guy needs to go. He apologised to the player in front of other players as well. Like that, that's what's been reported um, uh, publicly. Yeah, but, that, but that's nothing. That's easy. All I was going to say was, do you think that's a good first step? Oh, it's something that has to be done, but it means nothing in, in the long run of whether that guy should keep his job or not. Yeah. I think, and I, I, I'll obviously let you have this last words, have the last word on it, mate. I, I don't want to, um, I don't want to take over this too much. I think, but all I can say from the outside looking in is that 
when you when you when you when you have the opportunity to when I've oh sorry I've had the opportunity to have a lot of close times with some a lot of indigenous people over the um uh, over the past few years and you and you and I have developed a, quite a strong relationship uh, during that time and I think for me from the outside looking in is that when it's something you don't have to personally deal with but you you watch the impact that it does have on people that you that you care about you have to start to take that next step and think this is this is not an isolated person like your reaction isn't isolated this it, it, the, that is an impact that affects everybody and um you know all indigenous um, people and you just think to yourself as long as that impact is still being felt it's something that has to be dealt with it is something that the game that you know society for lack of a better phrase you can't just keep going you know oh it's not a big deal because it clearly is and it's something that has to be dealt with um to just to be eradicated so that we're not having these conversations anymore the main thing for me is that the knights need to get to the point get to the to the stage of this where it's not part of the culture like the problem with a lot of the afl clubs collingwood yeah you know, the, the recent example racism just become part of the accepted culture they didn't yeah. – I don't think they deliberately thought we're going to be racist, but it was just so ingrained in who they were in the club itself that they could have not, if that makes sense. Yep. You know, it was just – it was just, you know, casual racism was just part of the environment. The main thing for me now is the way the Knights now go, well, this is not happening in our club. We won't accept it. Yeah. You know, we just will not accept it. And irrespective of who the guy, whoever said it, how they said it, what circumstance, what they've done afterwards to make amends – just get it out of the club. That's the easy thing. You just cut, just cut the cancer straight out. Yeah. Because it's a cancer. Racism is, is a cancer in society, and it affects all part of society, and football clubs are no different to that. But we need to make football clubs, at the very least, a safe place for all people, especially young Indigenous boys and girls, because they a lot of them come from tough backgrounds, come from, um, you know, Areas where they, you know, they're, they're moving to the city for the first time, so they're isolated from fr friends and family. It's a really like f a football club is a tough environment for any young person. For an indigenous person, you'd multiply that by a thousand. Yeah, you've got to cut the cancer out, or we we'll, we will lose the culture war in the club because it's all we've already we're already struggling to lose it in society. We can't lose it in our club. I think. I think Manly, and I'm sort of drawing a bit of a long bow here, but because it's easy to sort of say, oh, what difference can I make or what difference can the club make? And I think just with something as simple as what um, Manly wanted to do and did do with the Pride jersey is that it's such a cop-out to say, oh, it's a sports club. You know, there's only so much. There is a lot that the club can do. And, um, yeah, you just you really hope that they are dealing with it as serious. And let's, let's be – sorry, let's be – I should be clear and fair is that uh, – as a as a white person watching it, certainly Phil Gardner made all the right sounds in terms of what he was saying about the incident. He said, um, "Yeah, we are dealing with it. Uh, this did happen. Uh, you know, we, we, we can't say too much, obviously, until it goes through. But it is something that the club is taking seriously." Okay, because and by Friday morning, as a fan, you're starting to it's it's wearing real thin, but. The show continues to go on. Now, 
I'll tell you how little I've paid attention this week. I have no idea Bradman Best is playing today. <laughs> Zero. Mate, let's let's backtrack a bit. Let's go back to I don't even know if the post was last weekend or it might have even been the week before. But um, let's talk about all things. Let's talk about halves things Panthers because Jerome Luai's out with uh, injury. Is he injured? I think yeah. he injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He injured his uh, MCL. He did the Joey injury. Yeah. He's injured his MCL. Uh, Nathan Cleary got rubbed out rightly for five weeks. I believe he injured the MCL doing breakdancing with, with um, Bizza. Breakdancing injury. How far into the pod just quickly? Oh, mate. Oh, the night is young. So uh, Nathan Cleary rightly gets um, rubbed out for five weeks. Uh, I can't believe anybody thought that that wasn't worth five weeks, particularly off the back that, of the fact that he had a um, prior this season. Like they, they yeah, literally he's, did. He's got several in the past as well. But that's the thing is that even this season, they said, I oh, know everyone starts from yeah. zero. I, start- I, I, someone did say that with his record with those things, if everything got taken into account like it would have before this year, he would have been looking at about eight or nine weeks. Correct. Yeah. So five weeks in a lot in, in the grand scheme of things is actually quite light. Anyway, Jerome Luai, though, decides that he's going to do a Instagram story post because, as you know, everything plays out on social media now. He's going to do an Instagram post, black and white, him and uh, Cleary embracing on the field with the initials FEC. Bredo, when you first heard about the initials FEC, what was the first thing that came to your mind? Fuck every cunt. I'm not going to lie to you. I had no fucking idea. But <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out... Well, the difference you're... is it's my mantra. I, <laughs> I love to go friendly person. <laughs> But it emerges during the week is that the Daily Telegraph are now uh, are now reporting that um, uh, David Clemmer, I think, has said to Hayden Knowles, "Fuck off, cunt." And so the Telegraph now is because they need because they need a he- they need a hero and a villain. They need their they need their um a hero villain piece. And so they decide that we're going to make Hayden Knowles the villain in all of this. By saying, hey, you hypocrite, you can't complain about that. We know for a fact that you sign off things FEC and we know what that what that refers to. So you can't get upset at somebody else for saying that to you because that would make you a hypocrite. And you're doing it in the workplace. It's so funny that, like, what is it? It can't be just coincidence that Lou I did that this week. No. Like, it's, it's, like it's the thing is, as you said, like it's a thing that come from Penrith. Like, FEC was something he used to yeah, sign off stuff with the Penrith and can you continue on at the Knights? Mm. Um, but Hayden Knowles is obviously so. Friday morning pops up, and Hayden Knowles has obviously had enough, and he's decided, you know, I've been copping this all week. I'm going to have my say, or I'm at least going to say something. I'm sick of the misreporting, and he decides to repost. Blue Eyes post with those initials, but saying for space ever connected. Now, whatever you think about the post, whatever you think about the initials, I've got to be honest with you, after everything that we'd gone through that week, because there was speculation now that Knowles is going to walk because it turns out that that the club is now going to back Clemmer and he posts that. Oh, it, it, look, as a fan, and I'm only talking about this as a fan now, that it was, it, it just, it didn't sit right. It really didn't sit right with me. 
expert. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. The thing about the Hayden Knowles post with, you know, because there's speculation that he he might be moved on. And we don't know how he feels about the club. He posts something, though, from another club saying that he's forever connected. The, the visuals on that, it just, at the end of a week where all we've all we felt is dis, disunity, it feels like... Yeah. It feels like someone saying, I don't want to be connected to you anymore. I want to go back to my – it feels like your current partner saying, I want to go back to my ex. Yeah. And, you know, and we don't, you know, no one's going to pretend that Hayden Niles isn't going to be close to the Penrith guys because, you know, he won a premiership with them. You know, they were in the bubble together. They'd been there a while. We understand that. Lifelong friendships, all that. But you're right, it was the worst possible week to sort of be – to. Yeah, you know, showing a connection to another club or our club's being ripped apart by something that, you know, you were involved in. So we did a post on the social media of that, and we just took a screenshot of it. And it was funny because – so I, I was – I personally was responsible for the post. And it was funny because at the time – and I know this sounds it's easy to say. Glass. K-Dog's the social media man. <laughs> It's easy for me to say this in hindsight because it sort of sounds like I'm sort of covering my ass. But when we do, aside from telling blokes to fuck off, when we do a lot of the posts we do on our social media is with a mind of you know we want to we want to we want to give this to people. We want to show. Well, you might have missed this. This is something for you to consider. And yes. it was funny yes. to me because yeah. when I did the post on Friday morning, I actually did it with a mind. Whatever I felt as a fan. I thought, well, here's an opportunity to go, oh, hey, guys, this is going on. And, you know, Hayden Knowles, is, he's not just sitting back anymore. He's hes having his say. So I very much sort of did the post in terms of this thinking as like, well, you know, the Daily Telegraph are having their say and, you know, Newcastle Herald's having their say and all the fans are having their say. It's like, well, now, because the, the post I said is that, well, Hayden Knowles is getting real active on the Instagram. And the purpose behind the post was to sort of say, hey, there's, there's another voice here. Now, uh, Bay 53 exclusive is that um, Hayden Knowles actually reached out to us about that post, which sort of um, – I don't want to downplay the significance of it because it was quite a significant reach out to us. You know, we, we sort of see what we do here as, as supportive as we can be, but certainly the fans' perspective on the club. But we have nothing to do with the club. And we don't interact with anybody at the club. Our major sponsor is a sponsor of the club, and that, but that's that, that's that's really where it ends. So it was a re. It, and, and the club have all that money, apart from yeah, that. Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was an interaction that was very important to you and I, because here's someone who's working for the club who's taken time out of their day to reach out to us and say, oh, "I want to have a word with you about that post." And Hayden, he essentially said to us, he said. Um, his post, the post that he decided to do on Instagram was in response to what the Daily Telegraph, as he saw it, was misinterpreting the FEC ac acronym. Um, yeah. And he sort of felt like the attacks were starting to become personal on him and his family. Now, we know that we live in a social media era, and you and I know, yeah, you actually can only take so much after a while because you just get bombarded with all of this information. Yeah. 
But one of the things he did say was, Hayden Knowles, he said, look, my only mistake has been that I actually care about this club and the values that I want to uphold and that I'm sure you do as a supporter. And he said, my Instagram post was absolutely not about disrespecting that. Brett, I'm going to hand it over to you to give your thoughts on it. But I, I, want to, I will say this. In professional, in professional sport, we have a tendency to be very critical of players, coaches, staff who aren't passionate about their club. And here's a guy reaching out to us saying, well, that's, that's, the, that's actually someone you want. I'm that person. I have that passion for your club, and this is how I feel about them. Yeah, the first thing the first thing I will say is that things are different to pe- the other people involved, you know, players, administrators, trainers, coaches, whatever. Because those guys, most of those guys have multiple clubs. We have one club for life. Mm. We couldn't give two shits about what Penrith are doing. They can go jump for we give a shit. We care about the Newcastle Knights and we only ever care about the Newcastle Knights. So we have a completely different perspective. We don't want people that that we think are part of us fraternising with the enemy. That's just that's just our role as fans. Fuck Penrith. But th- I understand why like, Hayden Knowles is close to those guys. He should be. That's not, you know, there's plenty of guys I used to work with too that I'm still close to. But for, on a, from a fan's perspective, we don't want to see that. Do that behind closed doors. And, and Hayden's done nothing wrong. He's completely, you know, like what he posted was, was perfectly fine in my opinion. But of course it's going to upset us. Penrith is this world machine that are ripping the competition apart. Our club has been absolutely torn to shreds this week. And you're posting pretty things about them. Mm. Fuck off! Like, but in it, but I, but Hayden, like, he doesn't need to think worry about what we think. That's not, you know, that's not his job. No, that's and right. That's not what I want from Hayden. What I want from Hayden is to give his all to the Knights. I have no doubt he does that. I have no doubt that he wants the Knights to win a premiership. You know, we, we will, we will be on him in the off season. We you know, we were part of the, the people who are saying, you know, he's the, he's the key. Like, he's our big signing for the next ten years. You know, because he'll till turn his club around. I still think he might. But this was not the week, Hayden, my friend. This was not the week. Um, Hayden. That's what upset me. I just, you know, I, I just thought, to me, it felt like he's rubbing our nose. You know, you know, the club I used to work for are fantastic. You guys are a shit fight. You know, I know which, I know which one I prefer work for. Hayden, Hayden went on. He said, "Look, if I died today, and it's it's understandable that Hayden in the end felt that he was. He said, look, 'Look, I'm I'm going to stand up for myself.' He said, "If I died today, I did so holding strong to the values that this team needs to be first before anything else.'" Uh, the same way that successful teams of the of the Knights once were. So he's, he's obviously a guy that has a strong work ethic. He has a strong sense of what it takes to win, but he's also he's also referred to you know the 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 history of the Knights. Um, you certainly can understand it from his perspective in terms of what he witnessed from David Clemmer was like. Well, who are you putting first, Clem? Are you putting you first, or are you putting the team first? And I think that's where this misunderstanding has emerged. Is that and because you and I like. Because I'll talk a bit about you and I, Brett. Like this, might, this will not surprise anybody who knows us. Person, you and I go at each other a lot off, off, um, off mic. All okay? the time. We're not, um, we're not, we don't, we're not slapping each other on the back away from the microphone as much as we do when we're recording. But we still want the same thing. We might sometimes go about it differently. But you and I put that aside then and go, well, we know that was a misunderstanding. We know we want the same thing here. It's just, you know, we've had that moment where we've had a disagreement. And that's what this starts to feel like to me, is that Hayden said, well, you have put yourself before the team by not listening to me, whereas Clem's gone, I've put the team ahead of myself because I want to stay on and I want to see the job through. So that sounds yeah, to I'm, me like I'm it's more of a mis- my back. Sorry? 
Clem's thinking I'm putting the team on my back. Yes. Yes. You know, Clem, Clem's attitude is I'm dragging this team, you know, forward. Yep. And I, I, I completely get it from both perspectives on that regard. I think Clem's doing everything he can to help the Knights win. And we all know that's why we love him. That's why, you know, we we um we, we know he's going to win the Vidurus medal this year. But I also get it from from Hayden Knowles and Adam O'Brien, that perspective. Some of the stuff Clem does does hurt our attack. Yeah. You know, the fourth tackle hit up still hurt us. Yep. So there's, there's, you know, to me that's equal parts in sort of blame and um, responsibility there. Hayden did finish off. He said, look, the media spin has been very accurate and there is never anything personal with Clem and I. And I was actually really glad that he said that because, as we said, when this first stage of merger was going on, everybody's mind went back, well, well hang on, Clem, Clem's out in the blues and you're part of the blues. Is this going to be a problem? And I thought it was really important for him to address that. But I thought the other thing is, as well, he said, he said, look, I do not get offended with being sworn at by a footy player. And you kind of think about it and you think to yourself – well, that makes sense. You've been in the game long enough now to know. <laughs> I doubt this is the first time this is this has sort of happened to you, and I'd be very surprised if this is a process that's been gone through um, before. But what he did say to us, and this I is what I got sworn out by a twelve-year-old today. Like, <laughs> <laughs> was it, was Ricky Stewart there? Um, but he did say, to <laughs> "Yeah, weak dog, weak dog." And it would and it would emerge later on in the day is that Hayden said he said I was not the one that take, took this to HR. He said that that was something that was yeah. taken out of my hands. And as it slowly emerged over time, it, it sounds like, you know, we heard a comment earlier this year where um, someone within the club was saying that the club has no leadership, and everybody sort of assumed that was on the field. With everything that's happened this week and what Peter Parr said, I actually think that was a comment off the field. It sounds yeah, to me the front office, the co- there's been no leadership there. And everybody's sort of been trying to go in their own direction and, all, and bumping into each other. And so the fact that out of all... To me, Adam O'Brien's biggest weakness is he comes from two organisations where the head coach rules the roost. Now, yeah. I know Nick Politis is at the roost, but Robbo gets his own way in everything. Craig Bellamy is the Melbourne Storm. I don't think Adam O'Brien likes the fact that He's not head honcho in terms of the Knights making decisions. Yeah, but he he has to earn. I don't think that suits. I don't think I don't think that suits his style. I don't think that suits how he wants to coach. And I think it's a real a real power struggle between a couple of guys at the Knights, and that's yeah. hurting the club. But surely Adam O'Brien knows that he needs to earn that. He, he surely he he can't Absolutely. be thinking. Of, yeah. but he's won four premierships, mate. <laughs> One thing, one thing I will say about Adam O'Brien, all the positives about him, the organisation he's coming from, to me it's been a um, a chain around his ankle. He is really? so entrenched in how those two clubs work. He thinks that how football clubs have to work, not knowing the fact that they've got two all-time great coaches and those organisations have been built from the ground up the right way. Mm. You know, I, I think that... Um, He's, no, because I, I want to. I just I want to. I, 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 I put, put it this way: if I think if I think Vanderbilt Brown was coach of Melbourne Storm this year, they would be they would be at the same place they are on the ladder as they are with Craig Bellamy. Not that Vanderbilt Brown is a good coach. I just think Melbourne Storm don't need a great coach. Oh, and I I want to I want to actually go back just to what you said in terms of um, what the what the clubs are built on is of such importance to get it right from the start. But what Adam O'Brien is that he. In a lot of ways, it actually would have been easier to him to go to a new club, like go to a Dolphins or something, because yeah, you're not starting with a new build club, his own culture. Right? Sorry, yeah, build his own culture, which, which is what which was the smart thing from the Dolphins. If you're gonna get, if you're gonna start an organization, get someone's gonna build your culture from day one. Yeah. 
Um, it, I mean, it, it was almost a, it was almost a footnote in the end. But the Knights released a statement on Friday afternoon. Uh, disciplinary matters involving David Clemmer had been resolved. Mediation had. I mean, we had to go to mediation. Mediation had taken place when which Clemmer, Clemmer accepted responsibility mediation for... Mediation <laughs> He accepted responsibility for um, his failings. He was issued with a suspended fine. We don't know what the details are. Uh, and he went back to training on Friday. He obviously couldn't play this weekend because he wasn't named. Bretto, do you think that is the end of the David Clemmer incident? Do you think that's the last we're going to hear about this, or is this? I don't, going think, to... I don't think it's the end of it in the media because that's true. Again, it dragged up every time something happens with the Knights, whether it's with um, Hayden Knowles, David Clemmer. Every time that the Daily Telegraph will be recycling the story for the next five years. Yeah. But I think in terms of actually the Knights themselves, yeah, it's done. Yeah. We get to Saturday, and because you just, it's obviously the Knights thought to themselves this week is like we can't we can't have one day where we're not in the media. We're going to have something Saturday. Give me a day off, lads. <laughs> It was initially it was news that I was like, oh, I'm not sure about this. But the, the more I've sort of sat and thought about it, uh, it looks like Bevan French is going to be a Newcastle Knight in season 2023. He of the seven tries in the Super League. Initially, I was like, oh. it, it was like, uh, you know, when you wanted um, Bone Storm or Blood, you know, and you got um, uh, Lee Caravello's putt-putt. But... The more it's sat, it's sat with me, the more I've heard it. This has the potential to be another very good, like, solid signing for the Knights in 2023. Yeah, I imagine the price is right. If mm. the price is right, he's worth the risk. You know, his big weakness in Parramatta was his defence. He wasn't big enough or strong enough. And he's got slightly bigger and slightly stronger. His defence still isn't fantastic, but he's a really good finisher. He's got electric speed, which we really lack. We have, we have, we have such a poor amount of speed out wide now. Um, yeah, it's worth it's worth throw at the stumps for mine. We're taking a few throws at the stumps next year in between Adam Elliott, Jack Hetherington, and uh, you know now potentially Bevan well, French. I no longer think Adam Elliott is. I think I think Adam, Adam Elliott's proved that he's a, a good boy. I think the other two are still, certainly still are. My concern with Adam Elliott is the off-field stuff. What does he bring to the discipline of this team? I mean, we've just had an HR. Yeah, um, Millie, mate. Are you going to are you going to do the wrong thing? <laughs> that was pretty like, Millie. No, he's he's a, he's a good boy now. You'd like to think that Adam Elliott is smart enough to know that if he comes to Newcastle and does anything wrong by Millie Boyle, uh, he won't get out of the yeah, city. Absolutely. Alive. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Millie, Millie's going to be more loved here than Chief and Joey put together. <laughs> Bretto, to end, and I guess to end six days of just fascinating, fascinating build-up to uh, Newcastle, uh, the Newcastle game. Mate, do we want to get to Sunday's game, the game that's just finished earlier today? They they play game? <laughs> uh, Can I ask you something? Can I ask you, did you watch any other rugby league this weekend? Did you watch any of the rugby league other than the Knights this weekend? Uh, Parent mainly. Oh yeah, yeah. See, that was the game. I mean, that was probably the one game this weekend I actually didn't get a chance to see. Um, that was a great win for the Eels in the end, particularly considering because I forgot Moses was out, and it was. It sounds like it was an opportunity for Dylan Brown and uh, Clint Gutherson to get their big boy pants on against the Sea Eagles. I also forgot Moses was out, and that's why I tipped Parramatta, and that was just part of my full, complete round of 
tips this week. <laughs> um, otherwise, I would have taken Manly. So, well done me for being an idiot. Is Manly season over? Um, it's not, you know, it's not over, but yeah, they're in trouble. Yeah. Bredo, uh, the 4 p.m., the, the, the marquee Sunday game to end the round. Newcastle Knights travel out to Campbelltown to face 14th the West. 15th. It was a battle of the Titans. The Knights have emerged triumphant with a very, very rare win and a coveted season double over the Tigers, 14 to 10. Um, we led 14 to nil at halftime. We didn't score a second half point. It looked like we were going to get the 14 to nil dickheading, but you cannot tell me there was a Knights fan known who saw that result coming today after everything we'd been through for the last seven days? I mean, I tipped this, but I didn't think it did. <laughs> um, one, th- one thing I will say, Tigers fans were adamant. And I don't mean they were just trying to uh, any jinx it. Tigers fans were adamant they would lose because they yeah. know their club. And they're like, we lose this game every single time. And they were right. Yeah. It was a battle of the damaged fan bases today. In, in just so many ways because it was two fan bases who know nothing other than perpetual disappointment and being let down by their team. And there wasn't an eagerness to be right. There was just Tigers and Knights fans going, you obviously don't understand how bad my team is. In the same way that you and I last week with Dogs fans <laughs> were like, you clearly don't watch Knights, fan, Knights teams enough this year to realise just how bad we're going to be. Brett, you... you I've seen a really funny interaction between, between a Knights fan and a Tigers fan, where a Tigers fan, you know, blah, 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 you know, we, we lose this game every time. Knights fan going, have you seen us? There's no way you could lose the last one. The Tigers fan going, oh, you sweet, innocent thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just a <laughs> How could... It, it was it's almost like... like my how God, could... Because you start to wonder, how could it, it's like two fans looking at each other in the mirror going, how could you be so naive? Brett. Brett. Yeah, because yeah, we're looking at them going, are you guys serious? Like You, you gave it to the Broncos last week. Like, yeah. Jesus, you're going to put 40 on us. And they should have won in Cow- in uh, Townsville as well. And I understand Absolutely. the Tigers are still, they are still pursuing those two points. So this is, well, this is actually an important win for us today to give us some gap between bottom spot um Bredo, you always say you know from the first hit up whether we're on we were on we were on from the first hit up of the game today and i was i was just shocked i was just so surprised watching them to see how much more uh effort and endeavor they had in the play the ball today it's it's interesting you've got so much energy in what round 20 you're up to I suppose when you haven't put in for three months, you should have a bit of energy coming, you know, coming your way. Because we haven't seen that in, in ages. We haven't seen that probably since what our last one was the Warriors. We certainly didn't start like that against the Warriors. No. Before that was Magic Round. We certainly didn't start like that at Magic Round. Like, we might have started like that since round two against the Tigers. We uh, we haven't started like that since the Panthers game. We, that that was actually... Oh, yeah, the Panthers game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was actually... Round three. The, that was the game that came to mind. I was like, we've waited 18 rounds to see this because we've won, as you said, we've won games since. We've we haven't started any of them well, or we haven't like maybe the Titans game. Even that we didn't start well. We just we got through the first. Still didn't come out smoking. Yes. Um. The the, the boys came out firing. Um. 
I mean, they were they were just getting so many extra meters in their hit ups. I mean, Brody Jones, Brody Jones went went for one run and eleven meters last weekend, and he he'd already tripled his output by the eighth minute today. Like there was there was something different in the way the team was playing that you sort of my, my I have my conspiracy theory is that Peter Parr gave them a bit of a talking to during the week in terms of a facts of life reality check and said, look, I understand the, what, what you've been doing in the past few weeks and the, a few months, and that's really good for you. You need to understand it's not going to cut it anymore. The coach isn't going anywhere. Careers are on the line. You need to start aiming up. And that was that was the impression I got from it for the team today. The other thing as well that I thought, and I'll, I'll let you have a say as well, is that I thought they were a team that were playing for their team, their missing teammate. I thought the forwards were manning up, going. Yeah, we no, need to no, step no up. No doubt about that. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt about that. There was definitely a raised effort for Clem. There's no, I don't doubt that at all. And probably for Hayden Knowles too. Talk you know, me. One thing I, I do know from foot, one thing I do know from football clubs, a well-respected trainer conditioner is loved by his players. Yeah. So you know, and if Hayden Knowles has the respect that we think he does, I'm sure the players left it for him too. Mate, that's a, that's a significant statement, um, and the reason it's a significant statement is there are a lot of fans who are happy to see the back of Hayden Knowles. There are a lot of fans who probably think Hayden Knowles is causing a lot of player uprest, uh, sorry, unrest. You're saying there was a lot of um, doing it for Hayden about that performance today. That's a, that is a big, that's a pretty significant um, occurrence, if so. Yeah, I just know from my experience in footy at, you know, at a low level is, you know, that the guys out there within the field, the trainers, you know, and, and guys like Hayden Knowles, who they're responsible for their health, you know, they're responsible for the players' health, uh, they're responsible for, essentially for their careers, because the trainers are the ones that get you into footy shape and get you playing your best football. It's not the coach, it's the trainer. The trainer gets you ready to play the, the incredibly tough game rugby league is. I, as I said, trainers are well-respected, are loved, absolutely loved by their players. Hmm. Some of the I'll just I'll just start reeling off names. Some of the players that jumped out at me today was um, Daniel Sofidi, Jacob Sofidi, um, Jake Clifford, Bradman Best. I thought Dane Gagai had his best game for the club since, funnily enough, the last time we played um, the Tigers in round two. I just thought he was energetic. He was um, he was strong in defence. I mean, he he did have that missed tackle, which I think resulted in the Tigers' second try. But he'd gotten through a lot of work by that stage, uh, and the players today, to me, were doing all the things that I thought they were going to do for home games. They were play they were playing in a lot yeah. of ways to the ability. Certainly in that first forty half. At 40 minutes where the passes were sticking, the meters were being gained, but they were strong in defense. How the Tigers didn't score on us at the end of that half, which is prime time Newcastle conceding territory, that to me was was when I was like, well, not only are they switched on today, but I know now that they have been actively switching off for a while now. The thing that got me today, the thing that got me today was not just the fact that, you know, our defensive structure was a lot better. We were hitting hard. Yeah. Like we oh, were yeah. really bending blokes back. I haven't seen us fold blokes like that in a long time. We were we were genuinely folding, you know, like there was like gag like guys in the centres were, were folding back rows in half. Like I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh Bradman Best was getting heavily involved in those opening minutes. I mean, I saw him throw a spiral pass to his right today, and I was like, fuck, I didn't know he could even pass that way. Uh Tuala got a double, I think. I didn't know uh, he could pass at all. 
<laughs> well, his pass to set up Tuala for his second um, try was just – it was um, chef's kiss. But, uh, but Jake Clifford, I, I want to talk a little bit about Jake Clifford. Jake's kick behind the line for Tuala's first uh, try today – Jake was running, Jake was passing, Jake was kicking and kicking with um, authority. He was the he was the, the the player from those first two rounds where we were like, we're going to be okay this year. It, it's like yeah. it's like a, a good friend came back, and you're like, it, it's really good to see you again. I um that that, that kick for the Chihuahua trial was a, he's been doing a lot of that in cup. There's been a lot of tries you set up exactly like that in cup. Just keep him behind, good weight, run under it, score. And it, it, to me, it was just confidence. It's just like, I've been doing this kick every week, whether it's reserve grade or first grade, it's the same kick. Mm. You know, and he just, it's, I, don't know, I don't know why there's going to be less pressure on him today, but he just, he just, as I said, he just let his foot instincts take over and just kicked it how he should kick it. And he nailed it. It was absolutely perfect. His uh, his conversions weren't as strong, and unfortunately, that had the potential to come he back. You're okay. You're okay. Yeah, yeah. No, no. He was, he, they weren't easy ones. The Tex Hoy try, though, was spectacular. That and you know, look, you know that I love Harvey G's rugby league opinion. Like, like some of the stuff that he says, I'm like, look, you're talking at a level that I can. You got to lower the, bring it down to my level a bit so that I can understand. But one of the things that you know, he and I fundamentally disagree with, disagree on, and today was the reason I disagree with him was that he thinks that the Knights are overcoached. I think the Knights are playing because they want they just for for whatever reason they want to send a message and the way they played today is the way I think they're trying to be coached and I think they showed us what what we're trying to achieve. There was there was fluid ball yeah. movement. People were catching the ball. People were running fucking good lines for a change and off the back of defense that was and it was it wasn't it was defense that was quick off the line today. Like for those first thirty five minutes, I had utter faith in our defense for the first time in four months because they were coming up off the line and they were defending as a group. But today, the way that we attacked in that first half, that's the team that I think that. And the the only other thing I'm going to say, I'll let you have a I'll let you have a, a jump in. Andrew John said something really interesting today in commentary. I did. I, I always watch the Channel Nine commentary when when Joey's on. He said Anthony Milford doesn't like structured play. Anthony Milford likes to play what's in front of him. He likes that free and easy role. And I was like, well, that. But that's a player that O'Brien wanted. So if he's looking for that hard set structured play where you must be here and you must do this and this is the way we're going to do it. He's got no interest in Anthony Milford. But today, in that first yeah, half... That's why Milford's so abysmal under Simmons. Yes, ex no, exactly. But today, Milford and Clifford, they I, I thought what they did in the halves was it was everything I thought that we were going to see at the beginning of the year to say, hey, we are not the 16th-ranked um, halves pairing in the competition. We're better than that. Down the blind, Andrew John. All Jake stuff's in his head. Jake, Jake, I don't know why. I don't know if he gets his head, head too much or it's outside pressures. I don't know what it is. But when Jake's head's clear, he's a, he's a great half. Um, and he's playing free today. And, and, and Milf just played Milf. Like, I don't know whether – I don't know why today was different. Like, Milf has been doing that every week. 
whether his teammates actually this week just went with him and you know, didn't try and sort of overplay their own hand, but it just seemed to seemed to gel really well. And I think Clifford played a really good role to Milf there that he when Milf was doing Milf things, Clifford was still keeping the structure in place. Did that make sense? Yeah, well, 100%. Uh, Clifford was still getting us to the right areas on the field, putting the right kicks in while Milf was being Milf. Yeah. Um, Tex Hoy, 177 metres. Inari Tuala, 152. Dane, 203 metres. Uh, Dominic Young, 173. Bradman was the only one in our back five who didn't crack 100. He got to 91. Bradman started to tire uh, a lot. In the second half, yeah, yeah, and you yeah, could tell, you could yeah. tell he'd sort of been out for a couple of, for a few weeks. But I'm just, I like, I'm looking at the meters again, and Brody Jones, nine runs for 90 meters today. This is a guy who took one run last week. There was this lift in intensity yeah. and effort from the boys, and I posted this from my personal account online. I said the hardest part about today was watching the way they played out at Campbelltown, thinking. Fuck! I just wish you'd played like that for us last week. Like that was the performance. I just want. I just want to see that with my own eyes at our home ground. It, it just would have been nice to see that last weekend. What I, what I will say, if we if we don't get that in a couple of games, Canberra, I will be filthy. Agreed. Yeah, we I can agree. because Canberra, right? We 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 should be at least going close to beating them this week, and we should have beat them down there. Remember? Yeah. You know, like. If we don't get that effort and that you know and, and sort of that competitive nature against Canberra, I will be absolutely filthy. Uh, 150 meters for Jacob Sofetti. He actually went off with uh, HIA at the end of the game. Uh, 117 meters for for Daniel Sofetti. Mate, let's talk about Tyson Frizzell. Joey said, I, I texted it to you. Hang on, you have a chat for us a, a little while, mate. But I because I just no, I, I've got it here. I want to find the message that I said. I said Joey admitted it on air. Uh, that Frizzell is busted. He has injury on injury, and no matter what the medical staff say, he won't sit out. Uh, that didn't. When I messaged you that, you 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 just were like, yeah, no, I know. You just said I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> yeah, because he's too good. He's too good for how he's played this year. He's not old enough where you think well, he's gone over the cliff. There had to be something. You know, he, 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 I've never seen him break a tackle. I could probably break the line and break a tackle in months, which is just that's just his go to you know he'll always run over a couple of idiots but he's just had no strength in his body obviously because of injuries yeah we probably didn't get the impact off the bench that we otherwise would have liked um but i, I thought croaks i thought pasami solo bent the line with his runs today so he, he didn't do many of them but he hit the line hard and he just created that extra Does he get another one you deal you reckon no and I, I've said that before, and it's the same reason for me. Phoenix Crossland doesn't get another de- deal. Is that we need to move away from the player? We need to move away from these players where we get that one in ten performance. We go, all right, we'll give him another shot. That ship has sailed for me. Yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to die on that hill. Is it had. Sorry. He has that. Crossland. Oh yeah, no. Look, I, oh. I, I, I do. No, I just think. I just. I'm a Sami. Oh, look, said, look. He's a 78-year-old kid playing cup and running over, running over people to score tries. You know, I, I, I can never forget that, so maybe I'm biased. But I don't know. I, I just think we've started to see the real Pasami recently. And I think he'd stay cheap. I'd keep him over a few blokes, that, you know. Yeah. I'd happily see walk. No, look, I, I, look. when it comes to – certainly when it comes to those sort of footy uh, questions, um, like I said, it, it's not a hill that I'm going to die on. Um 
uh, you've been you've been watching the game longer than I have. I, I, I'd certainly back you if you've seen something there to um hang on hang on to him. Uh, from where I'm sitting though, if if the club let him go, I'd completely understand that uh, as well. Let's the talk one, about the one, the one thing I will say. Wait a second. The one thing I will say is that he the club gave up on a guy like Zach Hosking because he wasn't he wasn't doing it in he wasn't doing it enough and the body's shaving and all that sort of stuff. Basami Solo to me is a guy that, like Zach Hosky, needed to mature physically and mentally. Zach, we've seen now Zach's done that. He's a first grader. I think Basami might be just starting to do that himself. Yeah. You think the club runs the risk that this is that actually that one where if you look at him, forget everyone else, let's just look at Basami. If you look at his trajectory and you look at the pattern that's led to him today where he has started to put something together, there is enough to see he's not going to be Brody Jones next year. Now we're seeing what we're going to be getting on a regular basis. Yeah, I, I mean, I do. I just, because the thing is to me, that's his, his, his role. His role is 20 minutes of hard running and hard tackling. Mm. That's his role. You know, we, we because in, in lower grades and in cup and that, he was a guy that could play 70 or 80 minutes in the middle. We tried to make him into that. And even though he never did that in first grade, which we oh, he obviously trained for that and he got his body for that. But we've seen if he just goes back to the Basami that he was as a really young kid where he just come off the back fence, he can have a real impact. Yeah. To me, if you're keeping, if you're keeping a guy like um, uh, the front Thompson. Yeah, Leo Thompson. Your, um, Leo Thompson, if you're keeping a guy like him for upside, to yep. me, Basami's got the same, same level of upside. 14 nil at the break. It, it was, I mean, it was, you never really got the feeling it was going to be enough. Oh, I thought we needed to score more points. And because you knew that the Tigers were going to score something in the second half. Um, I thought the difference in the second half was, well, there were two things. We started to tire and Adam Dewey all of a sudden just started to rain down these bombs on our back, on our back line that suddenly didn't really know what to do. It started to throw that cat amongst the pigeons for us. And I started to get really concerned, particularly after the second try, that we were about to fall back onto old habits of, oh, here we go again. And I could see the game slipping away from us. Question for you. Are we officially in the stage yet of being worried about Dom under the highball? Like he, no. he is clueless at the moment under the highball. No, I think I, I honestly anybody was going to be clueless under that from Dewey today. Like they were, they were Matt Burton. But the thing is, but the thing is, like those those kicks are standing in first grade now. Yeah, most of the clubs produce those have got to go and those kicks. If you can't catch that, you can't play first grade. I think if you can't catch a Matt Burton bomb. You can't play first grade because that's going to be more and more regular now. That's what kids practice. That's you know foot, the footballs are getting lighter. They fly better. That's going to be standard. If you can't catch that bomb, you can't play first grade. That's why Tex Hoy's not playing first grade and going to Super League next year. I think it, it's not something that you need to, that we need to be concerned about yet. I think we've seen enough from Dom otherwise under the high ball where he's still. I mean, you look at someone like Daniel Tupo. Daniel Tupo is a you know rep caliber player who still has his issues. I don't think it needs to be a concern yet if it's something that the club is mindful of moving forward. I still have confidence with Dom at, at, at the back, um, but yeah, look certainly. 
you know, if it's something that if it's something that teams are going to continue targeting, he needs to be aware now that these are going to keep coming his way. See, but then this all fits my agenda. Dom is a centre. He come here as a centre. We turn him into a winger because mm. we needed a winger. I'm just starting to think whether no, he's, he's just showing now that he's a centre. Well, that would make sense with Dane and you'd have Dane and Dom in your centres uh, and Bradman and Bevan on your wings. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mate, can I ask you about, was it the Dane Laurie? I think it was the Dane Laurie no try uh, at the, I think in the, in the last five minutes. For yep. me, the ball clearly goes forward off a Tigers player, but if the so this so if the, if the play had been allowed and Dane Laurie scores the try and it goes to the bunker, does the bunker still overturn that as a knock on, or do they not see enough of that? So if a tries if a tries awarded, is the bunker overturning that on review? Well, for starters, it was never, it was never, it never got the point of being a try. The ref put the whistle straight away, so it was no, no question. It was a try or no try? It was a knock on field of play. Um, but no, I think there was enough. They showed when they showed the side on shot. Hmm. Um, there was enough to show there that it went forward. I actually, I actually think it went into the Knights player. I think the reason why it ended up going slightly sideways because it's come forward off the tiger, hit the Knights guy, and then gone sideways. And I think that's what the bunker ruled. Yeah. We were cooked by like we were we were cooked by the end of this game and we 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 we, we murdered that second half. We yeah. spent the whole game whole half and whole game in our half because we kept dropping everything. What were the yeah? You know, we tired so badly. What were the final errors yeah. by the end of it? I'm just you you keep going, mate. I'm just looking at um. Did we finish on twenty? Well, one stage there we were, we were five we were five for ten in the second half. And those five completions were probably all where we just played really conservative, didn't make any meters, and kicked it. Like any time we got near the halfway, we drop it. Mm. It was um, yeah, it was so frustrating. It was a hard look. It was a hard second half to watch, uh, but it certainly was played like a team that. I don't know. This sounds like a cliche. It, they played like a team that's forgotten how to win. That's exactly the words I was thinking. We're yeah. forgotten how to win. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to find uh, – I can't find the stats. Uh, we got them covered in the end for running metres, but it was like the running metres in a lot of ways were uh, indicative of what I thought was an otherwise close game. Uh, we finished with 1,850. Uh, the Tigers got 1,841. Mate, I know – <laughs> and you and I did this a lot after rounds one and two, you can look more into these wins than what's really there. So I don't want to do that. But one thing it's going to sound like I'm trying to pump up the Knights' tyres here is that I didn't think the Tigers played badly. I thought they could have played better. I thought we could have played better. But I thought certainly in that first half, I thought the Tigers in a lot of ways played as well as we allowed them because we were playing with that sort of um, uh, effort and directive that um, you know, we 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 we're making effective plays. We weren't we weren't passengers in the game and just letting. We were dictating the way we wanted the game to go. We we disrupted the way they wanted to play. Especially in that second half, Dewey got caught on the fifth tackle with the ball a lot because he had no option, so we had to just go out of the ground and now and then someone else would have to kick. So this what they were trying to set up in their structures and the way they play, we were disrupting that with our line speed and our contact, which is just mm. all you all you need to do in defense. 
you know, teams get cut to pieces by first graders because first graders can do amazing things. All you can do and what Melbourne have done for 20 years now is get up in people's faces and disrupt their structure. And that's what we yeah. did. Yeah. Um, we finished with 16 errors for the I, – I could have sworn it was more than that. I'm pretty sure at one stage we were actually sitting on 17 errors. So, But the NRL website says yeah, we depends, only – It depends who's counting. It depends what they count as errors. Yeah. There will so, be different stats depending who you look at. Yeah. I, I mean, we held on for the win. I, I – was losing it in the last 15 minutes watching it at home and when the referee waved his arm for uh, six again in that final set I was I was ready to kill and I genuinely thought it was going to be the Canberra game all over again where they'd score a, a try at the death to take it from us but I mean Tigers fans will probably point out well they dropped the ball in the end and they killed any chance they had you can't your opinion I think that six I think that six again won us the game and you want me to tell you how because he meant they didn't kick. It would have been the fifth would, otherwise yeah. they would have kicked. Our weakness, the way they were going to score against us was a kick. Yeah. The fact that they got two more tackles on running the ball, I think, helped us. Because they never looked like scoring at those stages running the ball. It was sure, the kick that was going to worry us. Surely you'd have to be a bit of a Grinch to say the Knights didn't deserve that today. We didn't. Like, we, we didn't. We weren't oh, yeah, lucky. No, the, no the, we, absolutely. No, we deserve to win. Yeah, and um, I think we were the better team on the day. I mean, it was clearly two teams that that are out of contention. You don't know what they're playing for. We we played like a team that just wanted to win more, and we haven't. We we just we have not seen that from this team in so long. I'll tell you what they're playing for, Carlo. They're playing for the hearts and minds of the nation. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> because nothing else. Those clubs got nothing else going for them. Um, um, yeah, it's. I think, for, I, 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 think I, I, it makes me laugh, and I sit and think people, people that you know they, they only don't have Fox, and they only get to see Channel Nine. Mm. Like they must vomit on themselves when they have to sit and watch games like that. Is their only games for the weekend? <laughs> <laughs> Bruno, that um, that win takes us up to thirteenth, so we're above the Warriors. And I, I, it was funny to me actually, because we're one of only two teams in the bottom five whose coach hasn't been sacked this year. Uh, surely, I mean, how does Holbrook see out the year? I don't, I still don't understand how he hasn't been sacked, but we're above the Warriors, Tigers, Titans. Yeah, you know, you know why he hasn't been sacked because the Titans have now got the idea in their head they sacked too many coaches, which is probably which is right, but it now means they're going to hang on to a coach they shouldn't. <laughs> and and um, we'll see if we can get Ben Darwin on at the end of the year because we will ask him about coaches. As he did say, you know, too often you you um, sack coaches um, incorrectly. We're six points clear of the spoon. We've got four more games to go. I'm I'm not confident in this, but I think I can almost safely say that if the Titans don't win next week. We should avoid the spoon for 2022. Who do they play? Who do they play? Manly. Uh, Manly will beat them. Yeah, Manly should win that. Manly season won't get on the line. Mate. Manly season won't get on the line. We're off to Brisbane next weekend, 7.30 Saturday. I mean, do you see enough from that today to have any hope for our game next week? Or will the Broncos bounce back off the back of two losses and we'll be the ones that get punished for it? Where, 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 do you, where does this team go, in all seriousness, after a result like today? Oh, this team's what we think this team are. They'll, they'll get rolled quite easily in Brisbane next week. 
because you know back-to-back performance is not what we do, and you know they we always get ahead of ourselves. I actually think that the real true test of whether this you know the tidy on its own will be in two weeks that home game against Canberra. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I actually agree with that. I sort of, if we can get through the Broncos game relatively unscathed, uh, get a healthy team on the park in two weeks, and put and on we'll a Titan, Titans the week after at home. That you know, that if we can, if we can win those two or win one of those two, and they'd be really competitive. The other one, I think that it'll be a reasonable way to finish the year. Yeah. Mate, I want to talk to you a little bit about coaches, particularly ours, and then I'm going to move on to uh, Canberra's coach. I mean, where do you sit with O'Brien? We, we've said it. Do you still think he's done enough to deserve another shot at next year? Because one of our good friends uh, at LVO5 has said, what's the point in having a coach next year if you're probably going to sack him after eight, after eight rounds? Because we've written off next season if, if we don't think O'Brien's going to get through another uh, all of the year. See, that, that's the thing. Like, I don't think he'll actually get sacked after eight rounds next year. I think the eight rounds will tell whether he got the job at the end of the year. I think he'll keep the job for the whole year. But if the, the season's after a shitty start and the season's gone, he'll, he'll just get fired at the end of the year. I don't think they'll sack him after the season. Yeah. Um, do you th- what, where, where's your faith in Adam O'Brien these days? How do you, I mean, because and we say it, we say it often to prove we we accept when we're wrong. We were high on the team in pre-season. We should not be high on this team now. Where have you reevaluated your goals for the Newcastle Knights in twenty twenty three? It all kind of depends on what we what we do in the halves. If we if we get a Jackson Hastings, you're, you know, serves our first grade halfback, we should be mm. pushing the eight again. We should be making the eight again. So you're you're still set on Hastings. Yeah. You're set on Hastings to the club. You think that's a good move? Well, I, th- well, I think he's the best of the available. I don't know what else. If nothing else becomes available, I think he's the best of what could be available. Mm. You know, um, yeah. Like I think because the, the thing is, the the, the the good halves come on the market in twenty four. Yep. You know, so and it all depends what happens with Clifford. If a Hastings Clifford halves pairing next year, I'd be comfortable. We could make the eight comfortably. Yep. Do you want to talk a little bit, bit about the uh, Ricky Stewart press conference, or at least more importantly, the last twenty oh, just, seconds? Just briefly, I don't think it, I don't think Ricky deserves us to talk about him because that's what he wants. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm okay. Um, from where I sit, what he said is bad enough. Where I think the NRL should do the right thing and deregister him as a coach in the NRL. I think what he said it, it, completely inexcusable. And if and, the NRL down the balls to do it, Canberra need to do it. Correctly, yeah. I, because you're right. Let's so we've said that. Let's let's put a pin in that. I think the broader topic here is that what disappoints me is there can't be there just can't be any realm that you can have this conversation where well how could this possibly be acceptable? And the answer is in no set of circumstances. There's nothing that because the, the thing is there's nothing that a player should be capable of doing where they're still playing, where a coach should be allowed to say those things in a public forum the way that he did. No. 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 And the thing is, like, when we all know, that was Ricky just trying to distract from the fact that he can't coach. And it yes. worked. Canberra fans all over Twitter today were defending him going, oh, well, you know, he's what is he, blah, 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 Ricky, all the media go after him, you know, everyone goes after him, you know, they have a go at Ricky for saying nasty things while they say nasty things about Ricky. Ricky's a man that's nearly 60. Ricky can handle himself. The kid yeah. was 22. According to the kid's family, when Ricky had, had it, 
when he said he, he'd known him as a kid, he was a weak dog then. The kid was 12. Mm. They, they, that's what um, Sam and his family came out today and said. Ricky's had nothing to do with that boy since he was 12. So, they, so he was calling a 12-year-old a, a weak-gutted dog. Mm. Get out oh. of the game, you. Like, Ricky Stewart's one of my favorite all-time players. I love Ricky Stewart as a player. He's a fucking shithouse human being. <laughs> and shout out to fans come at me about it because he is shout out to and shout out to um all of our, our raiders fans who do listen intently to, i don't think they listen to it as much as some panthers fans do but uh, i i know that they are out there um oh, yeah and I, the next thing i will say i hate Penrith bashing the kingdom tuck time next time they play him yeah but can can Penrith flog them all over the park because that that was just disgraceful but see, that's the thing, isn't it? Is that, you know, as much as Ricky might have been saying that to sort of say, well, I'm going to distract from the performance and give everyone something else to talk about. You know, aren't we always hearing that, well, the last thing you want to do is give opposition more fuel for the fire for the next time you meet them? Yeah, like, Ricky's there's smart. You. Ricky's smart. He knows they can't beat Kit Penrith anyway. So you know, <laughs> he's not giving ammunition to one, one of your competitors. It's not like he's giving ammunition to Manly who are at their sort of level. Yeah. He's giving ammunition to a team that will smash him off the park anyway. The yeah. only difference now is that Penrith are going to smash them on the park and they're going to bash them while they do it. Mm. Very true. Very true. Um, mate, I think uh, I think we might uh, bring things to a close. I'm, I'm just now noticing, though, that this was because uh, the Panthers are playing the Storm next weekend. That's I think that's probably the game of the round. Cowboys are playing the Roosters and the Sharks have got the Tigers. Oh, Eels, Rabbitohs. Cowboys, actually. Roosters are going to the round. Um, Eels, Ra- Eels Ra- Sorry? Oh, there's some good games next week, then. Yeah, I was just, yeah, I was just picking it up. Who knows? Yeah, Let's so... get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Bruno, it has been good to have you back, mate. We, we've had a couple of um, we've had a couple of solid fill-ins, uh, and I know you have been listening. But um... oh, mate, absolutely outstanding. Like like Daggy, Daggy, uh, as you said, he's your hero. He's my hero too. I love that man. Yeah, but he like he was great. Joe Frost, wow, what a legend. Joe's one of the, and Joe's one of the ones. Because when I because when I jumped on the shuttle bus after the footy, I um, Joe Joe's brother was. The, I was chatting to Joe's brother. And he was saying that Joe had had COVID and wasn't at the game, and um, and then yeah, you had Joe on the pod, and and um, yeah, that you had, gave the option for his brother to come on too, but yeah, his brother was in the same sort of situation as me. He's like, oh, I can't talk about that club. <laughs> I, <can't laughs> talk about them. I think um, I think one of the things that's sort of been interesting the past few weeks uh, has just been uh, chatting with people because, and again, I, I said this when I was talking with them is that as our we we don't want to go full Adam O'Brien and pump our egos up, but we sort of we Knights Knights fans have a habit of sort of coming across as the heart first, head maybe sort of fan base and that you know as much as I as much as you and I sort of do lead a lot with our with our heart we wanted to see if we could you know switch our heads on from time to time and try and have some sort of uh intelligent conversation about footy from time to time and I think Nagy and Joe get rid of me they do it <laughs> <laughs> no that's not the case at all in fact I know for a fact uh, the only reason Nagy's going to definitely come back on uh, is, is on the hope that he gets to do a pod uh, with the both of us. Um, but I tell you what, mate, doing these things, if, if the Knights could win, just win a couple more games. One more game this season, recording after a win is a hell of a lot easier than recording after a loss. Can we play the Tigers every week? 
Oh, well, we got the double over them. Not, we'll not, not that we'll beat the Tigers every week, but we'll probably win half those games. <laughs> <laughs> Bretto, it's been um, it's been good to catch up again. Talk about all things Knights. God help me. I I really hope we don't have. Can we can we have the week off? Knights, Hayden, if you're listening, can you can you send a message through to the front off? Can we have the week off? Can everybody just chill? And let's just get through to next week's game. Bring it, bring bring the uh, controversy back after that. But uh, I think I speak on behalf of all Knights fans when I say, can we just enjoy this win and get through the week and uh, have a quiet one? Bretto, your last I'm, word. I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly expecting tomorrow to find out the entire squad's got COVID from a group of orgy after the victory. <laughs> And on that note, we will sign off. Thank you again, everybody, for staying right through to the end. We are brought to you by A-plus Contracting and Polywelding. Enjoy your week. Um, We'll see you guys uh, at the footy. And, uh, yeah, go the Knights. See you guys. would like to thank you for listening right to the end you are our kind of people find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing and remember social media isn't a bad place you just need to follow the right people